BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Arielle Laurie, host of the Blonde Files podcast, where every Wednesday I cover all things wellness. After nearly dying from drugs and alcohol six years ago, I've been on a mission to live my best, most fulfilled life, and I'm sharing everything with you. From how to achieve optimal health, well-being, and fulfillment, to the best beauty tips and even cosmetic procedures, I cover it all with raw, candid conversations with experts and inspirational guests. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm really excited about today's guest because I don't know that I've ever heard a story quite like this one. So please welcome Emily O'Brien, founder of Comeback Snacks. Yay! I'm so glad you're here. And we just found out we were like literally down the road from each other, which is so exciting. Yeah. You're in Dundas, Ontario. And are you Dundas born and raised? I was born in Westdale. So just like like 10 minutes away from Dundas. So Hamilton born and raised. My parents are originally from Hamilton. My dad got a job in Guelph. And so I was like the first of the family that was born in Guelph, but everyone else is from the Hamilton area. So all our roots are there. My dad would love for me to say Oski Wee Wee in this time, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> generally for those in Americans are like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. We have really weird football chants. That's what it is. So <laughs> you are from born and raised Dundas, but you have quite a story. Like I've read it, but I've never heard you tell it. And I know that's become a big part of your journey now is telling the story and using it to really spread a lot of awareness, break down some stigmas and, you know, create positivity around things that are typically looked at really negatively. So I'm not going to give any spoilers away. Take (laughs) it away. Tell us your story of Comeback Snacks. Sure. So in 2015, I was living in Toronto, Ontario. I had started a social media business that kind of took off and it was like a like a niche little boutique business and it was I d- never did any marketing like it was always word of mouth and so it became like pretty popular I had just moved to Toronto from like you know traveling around the world I went to Guelph University graduated with honors you know always indulged in in the you know the fun part of school but it never like got too carried away until I actually really moved to Toronto and with my growing business 
things just kind of escalated out of control. I met someone through my work who was like, oh, he's like, oh, Emily, like, I want you to get better. Like, I, I don't want you to using drugs, all this stuff, because I was doing a lot of cocaine. I was, this was also trying to curb an eating disorder that I'd never really recovered from. And let's be real here. Like, just to preface, like, the use of cocaine in a lot of Toronto business life and everything is not uncommon. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when people hear about cocaine use, we immediately go to like this party zone. That's not really the case. Like cocaine use is actually very much used around like regular business people, people that you hang out with and see, and you just, it's just not talked about the same way. So I think that's a really good thing to preface. Like you weren't just a party girl, you were still working in business as well. Yeah. And often drug use was part of like doing the deals, you know, um, Mm -hmm. patio drinks at, at noon, doing shots of tequila was part of doing the deal. So it wasn't like I was this lost soul going through this time of my life. It was like, no, it was actually part of doing business. And yeah, things kind of went a little bit wrong in my personal life. Like my family just went through some stuff and it was challenging for me. And so I kind of just increased my use of substances. And so then I went from kind of like celebrating and negotiating to medicating. That's when I kind of started to hit more of a wall. It became less productive. I became more anxious. I wasn't really eating. Like I was just, I was like, oh, I don't need to eat because I'm just like drinking these calories and whatever. And so then I met this like Mr. Mr. Wonderful guy because I'd just been kind of dating on Tinder and just like really casual stuff, you know, single girl stuff. And I was kind of mm-hmm. over the, like that Tinder dating life. And, and so I met this guy, he's like super, super nice. And he's totally like, not like any guy that I'd ever met before. We actually did business together. And then we kind of casually started seeing each other. It wasn't like a monogamous relationship at all. It was like, it was casual, but it was very like, there was more of a love to it than there ever was sex to it. Mm -hmm. And intertwined in your business, I guess, as well, right? Yeah, intertwined in my business for sure. And so we're kind of seeing each other on and off for about seven months. And then his like checks start bouncing. Like that he, and I, you know, I'd be driving out to go pick up these checks and driving back down to Toronto. And I I would waste a whole day to find out that the check would bounce. And so I started to get pissed off with him. And then there were like a couple of other weird things that were happening. Like he bought me like a watch with no battery in it. And he bought me like dessert wine, which I don't even drink. Like all these like random gifts that I just never asked for. I'm like, okay, I'm a, I'm a girl. Like, sure. We all like presents. And we all like to say like, we're being treated like a queen, all that stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all that stuff. It was just very bizarre things that I didn't really want. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I don't watch TV. Right. So mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. and then one day he's like, okay, I want to, after all these weird gifts keep coming, he's like, I'm going to come over. I want to talk to you about something. I'm like, okay, cool. And like, I know he was going through a separation and Dave guys that were going through separations. And I know things can be weird with, you know, exes and stuff. So I was like, okay, you don't want to talk about it over the phone. Just assumed it was something to do with that. And he comes over and then he's like, oh, um, I, I want to take you on this trip. Um, you know, we're going to go to Puerto Rico and it's going to be me and you. Um, but there's just something I have to do when I'm down there. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Like, cool. Like, what is it? He's like, well, I just have to bring some drugs back. And then he's like, you can even do it if you want. And I was like, okay, absolutely not. And like, he knew yeah. that I'd traveled a lot, like lived in Indonesia for a while. I'd been like all over like South America, Central America. So he knew that I was kind of like this open-minded, fearless girl that liked to travel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, like, I'll just take her on this trip. And But I said no, because I was like, I love my passport. And I don't want to do that. Like, that's scary. Like, yeah, that's risky. And in Indonesia, they will shoot you for that. So um, I was just like, absolutely not get out of my apartment. And he left and he sent me this text. He's like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. Like, I'm so ashamed. 
forget I ever said anything about the drugs. Like I'll just, let's just go on a trip. Like I wanted to help you escape for a little bit. Sorry for all this, you know, BS that's been happening with the checks and whatever. So I said, okay. And this is after I was out. He knew I was out of the bar seven or eight vodkas in and I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sounds fun. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. Let's do it. Like I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. So he like immediately books the tickets. Like he's like, send me your passport information when you get home. And he's like, okay, we're leaving in like two days, which was like really soon. We get to the airport and I notice we're not actually going to Puerto Rico. We're going to somewhere called St. Lucia. And I was like, I've never heard of that before in my life. And then that's when he like started to shift his attitude towards me. He's like, no, it was just like you're drinking. And I was like, listen, the reason I do cocaine is because it makes me more alert, honey. Like, yeah. Don't, yeah. <laughs> don't give me this you were drunk and forgot bullshit. Just in St. Lucia in January, it's a totally different area. It's not the same. You know, I had my suitcase in my hand. I was ready to go. And I believe, believe him and that desire for like kind of that quick escape. So I got on the plane and the first three days were fine. It was a Wednesday. And then he's like, okay, our friends are coming to pick us up now. Um, so don't go down to the pool. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, do you actually think it was fun and games? Like, come on. He's like, come on, em. it's not fun and games. He's like, we're here to work. And that's kind of when oh, no. I knew things had taken like a really bad turn. Still thought I could weasel my way out of it. <laughs> not going to lie. I thought I could be like, this guy's just screwing with me. Like, no way. But we end up going to this house. And after this like elaborate, I was like getting tailored, like a tailored outfit for drug smuggling. And then, wow, yeah. And the final three days, like I was just blackout. He didn't like want me alone. Like he didn't want me on my computer. I started getting weird messages from his partner or ex-partner. So she knew I was there somehow. And I was just getting totally freaked out. So I just like drank myself into oblivion and like found like random drug dealers on the beach and tried to buy, I don't even know if it was actually, was definitely, it was not real cocaine. It was definitely cut so bad, but I was just looking for anything to like help the time go by faster. I also only trusted him. Like people were like, oh, well, why didn't you tell someone? At that point, they kind of become your security blanket, even if they're against like doing things wrong. That would be hard to suddenly trust a stranger in a foreign country. So that's totally understandable. Let's take a pause to talk about today's sponsor, Dipsy, because we talk a lot about physical health and mental health, but what about sexual health? Whether you hit the gym, take a walk, or meditate, if you want to take care of your whole self, you need to prioritize your pleasure along with your body and mind. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories and guided sessions that are designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself. The stories are relatable and immersive, so you feel like you're right there. And there's something for everyone, whoever and whatever you're into. They add new content every week, so there's always more to explore. Find stories about a spontaneous hookup with a hot stranger, getting closer with that sexy yoga instructor you can't stop thinking about, or even stories about trying that new toy together or getting tied up. The wellness sessions can also help you unlock new confidence or heighten intimacy with your partner. They add new stories every week so you never get bored. So spice things up today with Dipsy. And for listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash papaya. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsea.com slash papaya. 
enjoy. I listened to a story last night as I went to bed and I was so relaxed by the end of it and I went right to sleep. And there is nothing like listening to an immersive story quite like these ones. Now let's get back to the show. I don't know if this is true or not, but like he told me he was in a lot of debt. That's why I had to do this with him. And he'd already told them that I was doing it with him. I don't know. I don't know this world. I'm definitely not a gangster. I wasn't about to play hardball. So I kind of just thought that I could just protect my interests by doing it instead of being like, I'm just a G. Like you don't mess in those kinds of situations. So three days later, I was, you know, on a plane home with two kilograms of cocaine strapped to my body. He had them too. He had a amount on him as well. How was it strapped onto your body? And also, I don't know what two kilograms even is. Like, is that like saddlebag? I have a Ziploc bag. It's about like this. Okay. Okay. Um, So a medium Ziploc bag full. And how was that on you hidden? It was sewn into customized underwear, kind of like Spanx. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It was specially wrapped, like, so the dogs can smell it, but like, you didn't need dogs to bust me. Like I, <laughs> I was not prepared. I was like not mentally trained. Like I, yeah. and then like, cause I was kind of freaking out over the last couple of days and I was like, can I at least, I was like, there's no way I'm going to get through customs with this stuff on me. Like I just yeah, cannot lie. Like you had this. a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the worst liar of all time, especially if I'm like being interrogated at a border. Right. Yeah, exactly. So you already had a feeling that this was not going to go well. <laughs> yeah. and. Um, he's like, okay, okay, fine. Like once we get to Pearson, when we land, I'll let you go to the bathroom. You can take them off, put them in your backpack and then just give me the backpack and I'll take it through customs. And I was like, okay, that was a little bit of relief. Like I still knew it was like messed up, but I still knew that I was just also going to get home safe. I don't want to put anyone else at risk. Like I'm already so much at risk. I don't want to involve like my family. So land at Pearson, staring at the floor. I've been given no coaching on who I am you know, how long have I known him? Like, you know, they always ask you questions at the airport. Yeah. Brief me on any of this. And so we get called into secondary. I didn't even have to answer any questions. And I already knew it was, it wasn't going to go well. It was done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they could tell like from my body language, like no matter how hard you try to lie with your words, your body, like you can't control what your body does. And what was he doing at this point? Like, was he was he being supportive of you or was he kind of just like freaking out himself? Like, did were you separated? Like, how did that even go down? Once we both got called into secondary and after I was mad because he didn't let me take the, the drugs off. So now I'm even more pissed with like two kilos of Coke strapped to my body. We get called into secondary and then just immediately separated. Like there's about four kiosks and then they split us. So like we weren't even beside each other on the kiosk. And I, I had my back to him. So I couldn't like look at him and he had his back to me. And then after a series of questions um, that start really normal, like that's kind of how interrogations go, right? They want to yeah, make you feel comfortable so they can see how you actually tell the truth. And then once they get to like the more stickier questions, like, oh, have you partied before? And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, it's an easy question. I'm not going to lie yeah. about that. Yeah. And then they could see that there's just like discomfort. And I guess they saw like this bulging package underneath the, the dress that I was wearing because the drugs were concealed in, in Spanx. And then I was wearing this like tropical dress. <laughs> That you could see a a pouch in the front. Yeah, you could see. (laughs) It was so bad. Finally, on the last question, I I told the the truth. I I didn't sabotage this operation because these weren't my drugs. And so I was going to do my best to like go with the facade until it came down to like 
breaking another law and like really screwing myself over. And I knew that lying to a federal agent, probably not the best look after everything that's happened. And so they're like, do you have drugs on you? Because I knew that they were going to search me. And Mm -hmm. and I knew that they already knew. So I was like, yeah. Yeah. We were both arrested and I was placed in a holding cell. And I didn't get out of jail till the Monday. So I was put in jail for the weekend. And I still thought everything was going to be okay. Right. At this point, you're probably not even fully fathoming what the consequences of this are. Maybe it's just you're caught and you can't travel for a while. Like, what is what is this even going to mean, right? So, but still, jail cell for the weekend, that's intense. You know, I was like, okay, when can I go home? Can we, like, wrap this up? Like, ignorance, 100%. But that was my weakness, right? I wasn't being ignorant because I wanted to be an asshole. I was just, that was just a weakness of mine because I wasn't into that kind of activity, like, ever. So I didn't, I didn't know. And I chose to go on a trip with someone who I was emotionally connected to in an emotionally challenging time. And that was also my weakness. And so I'm put on house arrest. I have to move out of Toronto. You know, I had my own condo, like, everything. And they're like, now you have to go back and live with your mom. And I was like, I love my mom, but, like, I have a business. Like, I saw it as major. Yeah. It was like a mosquito. It was like, the, I saw it as an annoyance. And then he tries to reach out to me after we've both been arrested and tells me everything's going to be fine. He's going to like, and I'm, I'm not supposed to talk to him, but I'm like, I, I, right. I, was, I was still weak. So I did communicate with him a bit there and I still trusted him because again, I don't know how long these things are going to take. Like, are you actually going to help me out in this situation? And he's the only other person that even knows and understands what's going on. Yeah. And so eventually after two and a half years of going through the courts and a lot of challenges within my family, um, but also a lot of growth and a lot of like unconditional love for sure, but not without being open-minded to actually seeing how much pain I caused them because I was still in like victim stage and still in like, oh, like it's all his fault stage. And the people that I surrounded myself with helped me like keep that, that like vengeful energy. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really help mm-hmm. me grow. And yeah, it wasn't until um, like a year and a half later after kind of, you know, starting a new relationship, kind of getting rid of him, being sober, like not completely sober during my house arrest. Cause like I definitely indulged yeah. for the first little while because I was just so in shock, but it wasn't until I kind of like separated myself from like that lifestyle for a bit. And was really like, okay, I can do something more with this. And I know that my story is not unique. I want to be responsible for my own narrative and not have the system control it. Yeah. So what ended up being your final, like, what did the judge say? Like, what was your conviction? I pled guilty. Because I knew that that was the first step in healing and mm-hmm. and taking accountability. And I also mm-hmm. knew that when it came down to the law, like I, I did break the law. Like, like ignorance doesn't make you impenetrable, right? Like it's like you have to be like, okay, like I, I made a mistake and I caused, you know, upheaval, upheaval in my family life, upheaval in my finances because I had to basically drain my RRSPs and still, yes. but still running a business, like everything was fine. And business was fine, but like internally, I was just like, oh my God, when is this going to end and what's going to happen? And, but I knew that like, I kind of began to reflect on all the things that I'd accomplished in my life prior to that and, and all the good things that I had done and all the, the love that I had supporting me. And I knew that I could use this as like a catalyst instead of like, you know, a barrier to change. I didn't know like how I was going to find inspiration to kind of like use this incident and like this chunk of my life as something that could help not just myself, but other people. I understand that the, the law is the law, but I also think that like the punishment, I got four years, basically four years. Um, okay. okay. And that's a mandatory minimum because they go by, they go by quantity. Is that in jail or house arrest? 
That was um, my sentence, but it didn't like my house oh, okay. arrest didn't count for time served either. Okay. Okay. Did you spend four years in prison? Um, I'm still on parole right now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. And my gotcha. parole officer was here this morning, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, actually, I did read that. You're on parole until 2022, right? Tell us how, with that heart and with that acknowledgement and with kind of facing a lot of this, I love that you kind of said that you broke away from this like victim mentality and stuff too. Cause I think even listening, I'm like, well, it's not even really your fault. Like you're really this and really that. It's really easy to just see that, but you kind of took it in a different approach and, and you really owned it and you really decided to do something with this. And knowing that there are other people who have had incidences in their life, that's been maybe a one-time mess up. Maybe it was after a series of really unfortunate events, maybe life circumstances that put them in these criminal situations. And does that mean that the rest of their life is compromised? I mean, anybody who's ever applied for a job or, you know, looking through, we know how many times like, we have to put even volunteer positions. There's a lot of times criminal checks come into play. This is not just a stamp on like a four year or five year, 10 year period of time. We're talking like potentially the rest of your life. Yeah. This is something that is stamped on you for the rest of your life. And knowing that, how did that kind of spur on to what now is comeback snacks? Tons of problems, not just like within prison, but like my main focus with Comeback Snacks and, and building a popcorn business inside prison. And this kind of all started inside prison and to kind of create a livelihood for myself and also for others. I really focus on like reintegration and the problems that can happen. Like, like you just said, I understand some crimes totally. I, I get it. But I think like if we're just putting blanket statements on anyone that has a record, it, it's actually harmful. Like what if you wanted to be a volunteer during COVID times and now a hospital's like, you can't come volunteer. And in, in times of crisis, when we really need all the help that we can get, you can't do it because of something that, you know, is, is on a piece of paper that doesn't share your real story. It can also impact our workforce if we're not giving people like a chance or else we're not accessing and, you know, harnessing untapped talent that I truly believe that people that have been through adversity have, like just like a resilience and kind of a tenacity to and, and creativity. And then also if we're not going to give people jobs when they come out of incarceration or whatever, they might go back to crime or like depend on social assistance programs. Which is how this is perpetuates and this is how it continues, right? I mean, yeah. I just heard somebody telling their story and he said, like, I'm trying to make a life for myself. I'm trying to do this, but it's really hard because my parole creates limitations. That I can't even keep a job. I can't even do these things. I can't even build a life for myself and support my family. It really does perpetuate this over and over for a lot of people falling back into crime. I know it's a little bit different in Canada and maybe a slightly better structured, but it's still, I mean, for any of us, like we know how many times we've had to do a criminal record check for just a basic volunteer position and stuff. And I'm not saying that those are necessarily wrong, but Mm -hmm. potentially need to be taken into consideration in a much bigger sense as well as to what about giving people second chances? And first of all, how did popcorn become the thing? And how has it been kind of hiring off of this second chance type of mentality? So it all started, uh, we were having a little Super Bowl party and I was getting to know a lot of the people in there and, and listening and hearing their stories because I knew mine, but I was more curious as to hearing other people's stories. And that's when I really started to see a pattern, like a pattern of growing up in other, like my, I grew up in a, in a great household, but I had, you know, a substance abuse issue that was driven by, you know, body, body image, shame and emotional hardship, whatever. That's not illegal to be sad. Right. So, mm -hmm. but it's just when we turn to, to drugs, they make us more vulnerable to, 
agree to like what other people are doing who don't have the best intentions for you. And so I saw like so many similarities between like all the women in there that we just, you know, we, we wanted to like get out of that scene. We wanted to like start fresh. We wanted to feel something other than feeling like we are nothing but, but a number. A lot of women in prison were mothers. Many women had suffered horrific abuse that had landed them in, you know, bad living environments or with horrible substance abuse issues that, cause they never healed from this trauma. Yes. And so that's when I, I knew I had to like build something and cause I'm all about purpose. Like I love doing things that like bring me called emotional profit. And that's like what I call money for the soul. Uh, if only we worked for that a little bit more, huh? Wanted to create a, like a, a social enterprise basically. And it was started with popcorn cause we had a popcorn party and people were putting different combinations of food on it. And I had a, a really shitty eating disorder for like a really long time. And I didn't want it to like reignite in prison because of like the stress or like doing nothing. Cause often my symptoms would arise if I was doing nothing. Right. So that's when I was like, maybe if I can create a healthy popcorn company, I can still exercise. And it's also a way for me to heal and sort of moderate my past eating issues. And then also find a way to be creative with recipes. So in your hiring process, do you only hire those who also have similar stories to yours who are kind of past convicts and looking for that second chance? Or is it kind of a mix? Definitely a mix for sure. Like I, I have like open hiring is what it's called basically. And I love that. Yeah. And so like a lot of people, people that I've worked with have had, you know, other setbacks and been through other adversities that they can't really talk about with their work, like whether it's like a drug addiction or they don't have the educational requirements or they don't, they haven't been to school or something. It's like, well, that doesn't mean that you're not educated. That doesn't mean that you're not smart. I hire basically anyone that really wants the job. And my staff has honestly been amazing. Like we're, we're like the most cohesive team and they love it there because they can talk about these things openly. And a lot of workplaces you can't without something right. like, someone like overhearing it and like ratting you out or, you know, just being shunned or something. Well, you kind of become a support system for each other, which is really encouraging. I think, especially in a workplace when like, I know for a lot of people work and life separation is really important, but in a time like that, where your life kind of needs something to anchor to, that's really special that you've cultivated an environment in which you can get that support from each other. But for somebody who owns a business, can you speak to the quality, because I think this is one thing that people will often hesitate. Like, I just don't want to get into it. Like owning a business, that's like your baby. I don't want to get into a situation where I'm hiring and, you know, things happen. Can you speak to the experience of what it's been like to work with people who are ex-convicts or looking for that second chance? Like, how has that experience actually been from a boss perspective? It's actually been amazing. It's like the complete opposite of what everyone thinks. Like people think, oh, people that have a record are going to just commit more crime or like they're not going to show up to work or, you know, they're going to steal. And that's a hundred percent not true. Like I can't put a blanket statement on everyone, but if you look at people that really have nothing and they want something, once they have it, they don't want to let it go and they want to learn and feel like they have a purpose. And so did I, I wanted to learn and felt like I had a purpose again. When you hire sometimes people that haven't been through adversity, it's like they take things for granted. Then they're not showing up because they think like, they're the greatest thing in the world. And like, they can do what they want and they can just find another job somewhere else the next day. But this isn't the case for people that have been through it, through like the justice system or other, you know, various systems, whatever, or setbacks. 
because they they find that and they they hold on to it. That's so interesting because I've never read on it about people with criminal history, but I have read it in terms of quality of employees. And one of the things was said was single moms are often the best employees because they have everything to lose. Mm -hmm. And so they come in with like an attitude of they don't bring their problems to work. They're working really hard, but yet they are often lesser hired because of being single moms. People see that as a weakness. And and instead, statistically, that's actually their strength. And it kind of plays in the same way when your job is like a necessity to your life and that earning and needing that like stability. It's no longer just a nine to five. This becomes so much more deeper in a passion and what you care about. So plus it's popcorn. So that's just fun. Mm -hmm. But tell us about the popcorn because I was just at a store last week and I saw your whole display of comeback snacks and I didn't realize how many different popcorn you actually have. So talk about the brand, talk about kind of like your top sellers, like what have been like surprise and delights within running this business? Sure. So like the first flavor that we launched was called uh, the Dillist, which is lemon pepper and dill. So good, like so light, but like also so like zesty and full of flavor. Yeah. Um, in in prison, I kind of experimented with like something called jailhouse cheese, which is like craft dinner powder on cheese. <laughs> oh <my laughs> so that's gosh, actually yeah. a huge hit. Um, we have one called sweet sriracha, which is sir- like ground sriracha, stevia, and brown sugar. So oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, we have a rosemary parm. And then we have like the traditional ones. We also have one called gen pop, which is coconut oil and sea salt. And everyone loves that one too. Mm. So we make it all about choice, basically. It's like, okay, do you want to have something healthy or do you want to kind of indulge, right? And so that's why we have like, you know, the, the caramel varieties as, as well. And, you know, we, we've done like yeah. tons of deliveries, tons of events. Like I did an event still as an inmate. I begged the warden. I was like, please let me do this. Like, You're kidding. I was like, I found this thing that I actually makes me feel like something again. And I know I had the support of my like fellow inmates. I even had supported the other staff. And so like, I knew I had something I had, I had written letters to people to like reporters and you know, media outlets are just about seeing if this is something that, you know, I wouldn't be like shamed for. And I knew there'd be some shame. Like you're always going to get shame no matter where you go. Like, of course. Yeah. But I knew that I could handle it because when you get arrested, honestly, you are told you're a piece of shit so many times (laughs) and you just like, fair. So when, if you get an online troll, it like literally means nothing. (laughs) Like, I don't care. Like you don't, you don't think I haven't heard this before. Tell me something different. When was Comeback Snacks founded? It was founded, like incorporated officially in 2019. Oh my gosh. So this is still new. How many staff do you have now? We have five. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. And now you also, I have seen you have become kind of like a speaker and somebody who's also like telling your story. How has that been like getting into spaces that are like never typically hear stories like this? How has it been kind of stepping onto stages and being able to tell your story in really, really big ways? It's been awesome. And, you know, in the beginning I was, I was nervous, but the more you do it, like I, I volunteered a lot just to get practice at it. Like I joined like little speaking groups and figuring out the different angles because there's so much to the story. Like there's, and it helps people in different, in ways that I never thought it could help. Like I have like parents calling me and being like, my, my kid's going through this, or I have someone that I've worked with for like the past year that, you know, their son got arrested and they needed help guiding themselves through the system because parents don't yeah. know what you expect. Even. Yeah. And so it's just been really good just because I never thought it could relate in so many ways. Like it's not just about bringing drugs over the border. It's about 
you know, the relationships that we're in, things that we do to try and heal from pain, escapism, all those things, Um, you know, being a female entrepreneur and how that's different in a man's world a lot of the time. Fascinating. I last year I podcasted with Alexis Haynes, which is she was a former reality TV star, but mostly known for being arrested for one of the biggest celebrity home heists where they um or robberies where she was actually convicted on, I believe it was Orlando Bloom's home of robbing it. And her biggest thing, so she works in mental health spaces and stuff now. And she said that the problem for their system down there, which is very similar to what you're saying now is that everyone tries to treat these issues. They try and treat a drug problem. They try and treat an eating disorder. They try and treat these individual things, but always at the core of it is a root pain, is a root problem, a root trauma. And treating that actually is what can heal these other things. So I think a lot of times when we see, oh, that person has a drug problem. Oh, that person has a drinking problem. Oh, that person has this, that, or whatever. We forget that at the root of that is a person in pain. And so when these decisions and these choices come about in life and, you know, your story being a really good example of that, it wasn't a story of somebody who just became a party girl to have fun and have a good time and all these things. It was, there was a lot of pain that was being hidden. There was an eating disorder that was being worked through. There's trauma. There's trying to just stay afloat. There's doing all these things. And eventually it kind of catches up with you because Mm -hmm. we haven't been as much as we seem nowadays that we're really good about talking about mental health. We're really good about it, but are we willing to really take it a step further to look at mental health in a way that we understand that people have also taken steps of their own to self-medicate in wrong ways when other things have failed for them. And, and knowing that people end up in situations that doesn't necessarily make them a criminal forevermore. It just maybe means that they, their trauma brought them to a place of crime for a spot of life. And that doesn't, that doesn't write the whole story. And that's what I really love about yours is that out of all of this pain and out of all of this, not only have you built a life for yourself, but you're teaching with it. You're teaching with this story. And I think that's just so freaking inspiring. You must be so proud. I just love it because every day is so different and I'm meeting so many amazing people and like, I just feel so full of life, which is, which is awesome. I mean, they're still like going through the parole system, which is in the beginning, it was very challenging for me. Like I definitely got in a lot of like squabbles kind of with my PO. I had to fight for a year with the system to let, so they would let me hire people with records. Like I was like in this this tug of war being like, no, you said I could do this when I got out. And then there's, you know, now there's all these like different yeah. restrictions and stuff. But I was like, I'm not letting go. Like if there's anything I like I'm not letting go of, it's it's this. Your company is still in its early days. I can see this going quite big. The story is so inspiring, but I mean, you already have something that's clearly been taken by consumers as well and loving it as much. So where can everyone find you and kind of follow along? Yeah, sure. So our website is comebacksnacks.com. And then there's like an email like thing you can sign up for the, the daily or not, not daily, not daily newsletters. Um, like <laughs> like a, they're bi-weekly newsletters. And then also on social media, comebacksnacks. And then my personal handle is Ms. O'Brien, And I talk a lot about just like prison situations, prison reform prison creativity. And I like to showcase other like groups that are kind of doing similar things and the work that we can all do as a, as a society to kind of make us an actual society, not a seg- like a segregated one. Thank you so much, everyone. I'm going to add everything into the show notes as well. Emily, thank you so much for chatting Thanks. with me today. I'm really stoked for everyone to kind of get to know you and get to know this story that is just, ah, it's so cool. So 
Everyone, I'm going to put it in the show notes. Check out Comeback Snacks and Emily's page as well. I'll have all the details there for you and we will see you next week. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.